Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. As Anna mentioned, my name is Ken. And as we kind of start off, as we kick off this morning talking about generosity, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to define the term. Now, kids, I'm going to talk to you on this one. Definitions are really important. Definitions are important because often we can be talking about something and we can be saying the same word to one another and we can be thinking completely different things. For instance, if I say to you the word table, what pops in your mind? Was it a dining table? Was it a coffee table? Did anybody think of a picnic table? No, nah, it wasn't really popular in first service either. Or how about the word game? Anybody? What do you guys think of? Can I hear it? What, what, what do you think of when you hear the word game? Yes, yes. So let me, let me summarize that for you all. Uh, board games were the most prevalent. And then after that, sports games, and then I think video games. Something in that order. Anyway. The important part for us this morning is that as we build this collective definition of generosity, that we come to it together so we all know what we're all talking about. But before we do, let's take a little bit of a pulse of where we're at. So I want you to keep this, keep a word in your mind, all right? Hold it tightly. When I say the word generosity, what's the first word that pops into mind? Okay, hold that. Hold on to that word. We're going to come back to it. Because one of the things that I did while I was reflecting on generosity was realize that the one word that popped into my mind was very different than what words the scriptures use to define generosity. And so we're going to jump into the Bible today, and we're going to talk a little bit and see the way in which um, some of the writers of the scriptures define generosity. And so to do that, I'm going to turn to Psalm 36. So if you want to join me in your Bibles, we're in Psalm 36, verses 5 through 9. And here the psalmist is really talking about God's divine goodness. And it's talking about the generous actions that God shows to us. So receive now the word of the Lord. Verse 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. This is the word of the Lord. And so as we kind of see this variety of ways that God is showing us generosity, there's kind of two key lessons that I've kind of taken away from this that I want to share with you. The first is that we have this huge list of ways that God is so, so generous with us. And the first thing that pops into mind for me, and it might be kind of obvious for all of you, but God is way more generous than I am, like completely more generous than I am. And, you know, if I'm honest with myself, as I have been honest with myself, I realize that sometimes I can be a rather selfish person. And generosity is often, in my mind, inconvenient. It's hard sometimes to be generous. But, you know, I think that the, the example that's being set by us through God is that we can be generous because God was generous first. As Christians, we are called to live a life like Christ. Jesus was God with us and set this example for us of what it looks like to live generously. And so the first big takeaway from Psalm 36, before we define generosity, is this. We can be generous because God was generous with us first. So then the second thing is that we see all these, this list of all these ways that God is uniquely generous with us. 
Verse 5, steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse 6, righteousness and that God saves. Verse 7 talks about God's refuge and 8, God's abundance. In all these different ways, God is so generous with us. And you know, as I go through all of these words that are in Psalm 36, not one of them is the word that popped into mind for me. I don't know what your word was, but my word is money. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with money. There's many places in the scriptures, especially where Jesus talks about the importance of giving financially to others. But I think the example that we get in Psalm 36 is that generosity is so much more than money. Because money seems to be something universal, something that we don't have or we do have, but we're all kind of trading in it day by day in one way or another. But here, what I love about Psalm 36, what I love about what it's showing us about God, is that God is generous with God's unique gifts. You know, in some ways, um, we see that these are things that we too can carry out. We can, we can have steadfast love because God loved us first. And, you know, we can be a refuge for others because God was a refuge for us. But when I look at these different gifts, I realize that they are the gifts of the creator, and they were unique to God first. And so our second big takeaway, the way we're going to define generosity this morning, is that generosity is caring for others out of the unique gifts that God has given us. Okay, so two things, right? First, that we get to be generous because God was generous with us first. And sometimes it's inconvenient But we are called to be generous and care for others through unique gifts that God has given us. So we get to hear from this panel of beautiful people today, and we're going to hear stories about the ways that they have either been generous because of the example that God set, or the way that they've experienced profound generosity um, from those who have been generous in their life. And so I kick it over uh, to Ella Tyler. When Anna first called me to ask about if I would share about a person in my life who's impacted me through the generosity, I immediately thought of my dad. And I know that this is one of the more obvious answers, but I couldn't deny the fact that it is true. My name's Ella Tyler, and I'm a senior this year at Linwood High School, meaning this is going to be my last year living at home, living with my family, and living with my parents. There are two definitions of the word generosity. The first one says the quality of being kind or generous, and the second one says the quality or fact of being plentiful. As I reflect on my relationship with my dad, I've combined those two definitions. By choosing to spend generous amounts of time in a relationship with me, the impact that he has had on my life has been quite plentiful. I'm one of four, so being able to have quality time with my parents is difficult. When I was in middle school, my dad made it an effort to spend time with me by taking me out for a Friday morning coffee. We'd wake up an hour early to go to the Whole Foods that was next to the old Alderwood Middle School and sit in the little cafe area and just talk. When I got into high school... My dad decided he wanted to do that for for my three younger siblings as well. And he has, because he is intentional with his time and intentional with the time he chooses to spend with us. Even when those Friday morning coffee talks ended for me, Saturday Costco trips became a new thing. We'd drive to Costco and talk in the car and talk while we were shopping, but never in the middle section because that's where the spending happens, he always says. And talk on the way home. As soon as as I got older, our lives became busier, But my dad made it ideal to spend time with me. He would drive me everywhere so we could still talk. Soon the topic of me getting my license began to come up, as it does for most teens. But my dad was not about it. I remember getting in fights with him about the expensive driver's ed, having arguments in the car about everything I was doing wrong as a driver. To say the least, it was a long battle for me to get my license. 
One day I just remember saying to him, Dad, I'm tired of fighting about this. It just seems like you never want me to drive. And he just looked at me and said, I just know that when you start driving, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with you. Then, of course, I started crying because that was a pretty legit reason. (laughs) Though he doesn't drive with me, though he doesn't drive me around as much anymore, we still have been able to spend time together by going backpacking, skipping a day of school to go skiing, or even small coffee dates here and there. Even wrapped, up in being, even wrapped up in the chaos of being a family of six, he takes time out of his day to check in with me and ask me about mine. He has and continuously chooses to pour into my life by, in, by spending intentional, meaningful time with me. And that's how I know exactly what generosity looks like. Well, thanks, Ella. That is beautiful. I've got a son of my own who's, who's just under two, um, and so I hope that I can embody that type of generosity um, in his life. Uh, so my name's Scott. Um, I can definitely relate to, to Ella's story of, of receiving generosity of, of time and investment from people in my life. Um, so as I kind of grew up, both from parents, um, had a lot of teachers and coaches, uh, youth mentors that, that just poured a lot into my life. Um, so fast forward a little bit how that kind of played out into action. Uh, when I was in college, I was a Young Life leader um, for some middle school kids for about three years. A um, couple years later, with the, the youth group down at Bethany Green Lake, had been involved as a youth leader for about six years there. Um, got to experience watching kids from, from eighth grade all the way through graduating high school. Um, both of those experiences uh, were, were great and a lot of fun and very challenging at times. Um, they required uh, an investment of time. They required uh, reprioritizing kind of my personal desires to, to let kids know that they are valuable. Um, and, that, and I think that, that most kids that receive that realize that that's a, a pretty huge investment. Um, uh, so, so definitely times where, where I had been inconvenient, but it was worth it to, to bless these kids. Um, from a, as a kind of financial and resource perspective, um, you know, both my wife and I have been, been blessed through, through family, through community, um, right? Everything from, like, when we had our baby, there was, there was meals brought to us. There were gifts. There were ways that people uh, showed up in our lives um, that, that have been huge. And so I think that's, for us, set up this foundation of, um, you know, we, we have been blessed to be a blessing. Um, so all that we have, the life that we have now is, is great, and it's a gift. And so we want to not hang on to that, but to, to give it away. Um, and so the place we're at now, we're I think we've developed some rhythms, rhythms of generosity, um, but we're trying to explore what are some, some new ways that we can be generous. So the, the time and the money are, are kind of the easy things for me that come to mind, but what are some other ways that we can uh, be open and responsive to the needs around us? Um, I think realizing that, that a lot of those opportunities are opportunities to say yes, um, and when we don't, we miss out on the opportunity to, to bless others and then to, to experience that joy of sacrificial giving. Hi, I'm Jean, and uh, my story begins uh, about 40 years ago, so you can tell what end of the spectrum I'm on on this panel. <laughs> um, but uh, 40 years ago, we started having our kids. We had two children, and when they handed those kids to me at, right after they were born, I looked at them, and they were beautiful. I loved them dearly, but I realized that Christ loved them more. God, God loved them more, and uh, I, well, my husband travels a lot, so he wasn't home a lot. Uh, my security, my um, support group was back east. I didn't really learn 
many people uh, that lived here because I was fairly new. And so I looked to God, and, and I asked him to parent with me, to parent with us, and he did. He, he met us at that, and we have two beautiful children, adult children. But we translated that into um, our house. We were given a house, and we realized that our house was not our house. It was God's house. And so we um, basically have lived our life that way, that we have opened our home to anybody, not anybody, but many people that need a place. A um, few examples, we had three students uh, from the University of Washington. They were Japanese students, and they wanted to see what an American Christmas was like. So we brought them over to our house, and they went through um, Christmas Eve day with us, from making the food to going to the candlelight service that night. Um, so they got to see how we celebrate our Christmas. We have... Um, a fellow that that went to uh, that my husband worked with that was having some problems at home and he needed to get away from that um, and so we invited him to stay with us and I think he stayed with us about two months during that time he sorted out his life um, and left as a more whole person than when he came another example was um, a um, let me see uh, oh the uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, uh, we had a young man that, that came to us. Actually, he got on a bus, came up to Seattle, um, and was basically a runaway. Um, didn't tell his parents where he was going. He had a little backpack, and that's all he had. Didn't have any ID on him. Didn't have any money. He'd run out of money by the time he got up here. And he ended up going to our former church. They called me, and we went and picked him up brought him home. He stayed with us about two months also. And he, um, by the time he left, he had reconciled with his mom. And he had gotten, with our help, his ID card. He was able to get a job. So he was getting his life back in order. And to us, that's what our house is about, is where people can come and stay and, and just listen to what God has to tell them. Um, the most recent occurrence was uh, my husband was talking to somebody who's a member of this church, and there was a young lady that needed a place to be, and we met with her. She is a barista, or was a barista, in at One Cup, and she had three barista jobs, and she also was going to school and had a child. Um, but she needed a place to be. And so we met with her, we asked her questions, she asked us questions, and it seemed like it was a really good fit. So she moved in and stayed with us again about two months um, and has now moved out. She should be graduating at the end of the month. But she, what she said was, you know, I just really needed a place to sleep. I didn't um, have that. She had been on financial problems. She had met financial problems and was not able to um, continue living where she was. And she moved home and it was crowded. And so we just gave her a room we gave her a bed, we gave her support, we gave her love. And that's what opening our house um, to give back to God means to us. But we did have one unique experience, and that was um, my daughter and I were shopping at Eddie Bauer, and a gal came up to us and said, is your last name Armbruster? And I said, yes. And she said, is your first name Jean? And I went, yes. And is this Sharon? Yes. And how do we know you? It, it turned out that they had been, or she had been in our house 
many, many times because we opened up our house to different groups, the church groups to whoever um, wanted to have a meeting. It was kind of a retreat place. And they had been in our house many times, and we had a picture wall, and the pictures were up there, and that's how she was able to recognize me. So it's kind of a fun thing. These stories are such a fun example, such a fun and diverse example of how uh, generosity works within each of our giftings. And, um, you know, back to our kind of our main point here is that we can only be generous because God was generous first. And we learned that from God. And sometimes may have been inconvenient. We kind of heard some of that in all of your stories. And, but they had a unique gift or received a unique gift that someone had. So and as we were preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about one of my favorite scriptures, which is in 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, I thought I would bring out my um, perfect example here. Oh, already. Or, uh, this, is, this is the example of 1 Corinthians 12 for me today, uh, which is called Paul and Mr. Potato Head. Uh, talk about the diversity and whole body. So let me read a little bit of Paul, and, um, and then I'll explain. But in fact, God has placed parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, getting into this part of the scripture, Paul is talking about belonging. And there's this really interesting part where it says, the foot says to the hand, I'm not you, so I don't belong. How would that work if we were all hands? And the eye says to the ear, I'm not you, so I don't belong. And how would that work? And, you know, then I was thinking in my kid head, uh, if we were all noses, this world would be very smelly, but we would all be also be missing a lot of our senses. We wouldn't have a full and diverse experience of what our senses are telling us. So we see that our body is made up of diverse parts and stories that are diverse around generosity, about how we experience it and what we are to make a full picture of Christ. Now, just like these stories and experiences, each one of us is diverse. We're diverse on the outside of our bodies, and uh, we're made that way with different skills and different abilities. We're also diverse on the inside, who God has made us to be, each of us with different skills and abilities. But this is a more full and beautiful picture of who God is through our diversity as one body. And we're all a key and unique part of that body. Now, if that is true, what's holding us back from being part of the body and giving of ourselves? Well, let's read on with verses 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Now, kids, I have a little test for you. Who is Russell Wilson? 
for the Seahawks. That's right. Very good. Okay. Special person in Seattle. Lots of people know his name and what he does. What's the name of the Pope? Aha. Gotcha. That's the point, is that we give special honor to certain parts of our body and other parts are, we're not treating with as much honor. But both of those parts, come on people, the Pope and Russell Wilson, that's not really an equatable, <laughs> equatable people. But the truth is, like both very, very famous and have a very key role to play. We highlight certain skills because they're more visible. But there's beauty in the diversity of all of our skills, and all of our skills create one body, diverse and full picture of who Christ is. So these are revealing some of our humanity, our humanity to, that's reflected here. And there's so much that I could go into, but I'd love to just highlight two points. Our culture is telling us to value those with more visible strengths and more visible things over those that are less visible. That's what our culture is telling us. I just proved it, the Pope and Russell Wilson. And we have a tendency to think of our gift and as less valuable. We have a tendency to think, how could I contribute? I just, I don't have that gift. But the thing is, that's what the scripture here is telling us, is that each of us has a unique and beautiful gift that is missing from the whole body if it's not being contributed. See, here's the point that's really wonderful about this, is you, each of you, are a unique expression of Christ. A more full expression of Christ is all of us together, and we are not complete as a body without you, without the gift you bring to this body of Christ. And especially here at this time, in this place, I can even speak of Bethany North. We're not, we're not complete without you and your gift. Now, why is this important? Let's finish this scripture out. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Isn't that beautiful? This beautiful picture of if one part of the body is suffering, we are all feeling it. And if one part of the body is rejoicing, we're all rejoicing. This unity and diversity is something that we don't see anywhere else in our culture. It's a beautiful reflection of who God has made us to be in this unique space and who, who God is calling us to be, not to just reflect to each other and show each other who God is, a more full picture. No, not just that. Because the world needs hope of seeing unity and diversity, like what Paul is describing here in this body, this body image, and what I get to describe with Mr. Potato Head the truth is we can only be generous because God is generous with us first. God gave his own son, for goodness sake, so generous. And it's inconvenient sometimes to be generous. I'm sure that some of you, all of you, can have experienced that. But there's a unique gift that others need that is a blessing to them, but also a blessing to you as you step into what it is that God has made you to be. 
We're incomplete without you, without each and every one of you. We get to hear from our panel just a little bit more, like a one, two sentence about after reflecting about this piece of generosity and being part of the body and how they've experienced generosity, what is it that they feel now has changed for them? So I'll start with you, Ella. Well, as I've grown up with my dad pouring into me, I try and show that same intentional time with others as I spend time in community. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, so for us in this stage, uh, you know, we feel like we have a means to sustain, support our family, but but what kind of what else can we do with that? And so specifically for us right now, we have an extra bedroom in our house. Um, We're trying to think about how can we use that extra space to bless others. So last week, if you were here, we heard about um, foster and adoption care. Um, We're currently not thinking about adopting, but hey, we have some extra space. There are kids that if there's not a home to go to, they have to go stay in a hotel by themselves. So can we offer some temporary care, shelter, support? Um, Inconvenient, sure, uh, but would it be a blessing to somebody else and and we'll be blessed through that, um, absolutely. So, so something that we're hoping to kind of explore more. From my viewpoint, um, the lens of generosity is more of a lens of gratitude and thankfulness for the abundance that, that Christ has given to us. Um, and it's uh, encouraged us to give back to others and to lead a lifetime of excitement, um, uniqueness, and a lot of volunteerism. <laughs> I love that. All right, well, you guys give it up one more time for this panel. Awesome. Okay, well, as we finish out our time together this morning, uh, we're going to do an, a reflection exercise together. So in everybody's bulletins, there should be a care coupon. Okay, and so the care coupons are this really unique way that we're going to gather together with our families. If you are by yourself, you can move towards another family and maybe they'll do something for you. And um, it's just an opportunity for us to recognize that there are needs all around us. And no matter our age, no matter our stage in life, we have the means, God has uniquely gifted us to step into those needs. Okay, and so with it, whether it's with your family or your small group or someone that you're meeting for the first time, uh, this is an opportunity to fill out this care coupon and say, I promise to do something for you because I see your need and I know that God has gifted me to be generous with you. Okay, so we're going to take three minutes and then we're going to uh, come back together for worship. So talk amongst yourselves, your families, your small groups, um, but check out these care coupons. <laughs>